Part two of Book Six of Laws by Plato, translated by Benjamin Joet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Part two of Book Six. Athenian Stranger. Thus then, of the courts of law, which, as we affirm, cannot quite certainly be described either as being offices or not being offices of the courts i say a superficial sketch has been given in which some things have been told and others omitted for the right place of an exact statement of the laws respecting suits under their several heads will be at the end of the body of legislation let us then expect them at the end hitherto our legislation has been chiefly occupied with the appointment of offices perfect unity and exactness extending to the whole and every particular of political administration cannot be attained to the fall until the discussion shall have a beginning middle and end and is complete in every part at present we have reached the election of rulers and this may be regarded as a sufficient termination of what has preceded and now there need no longer be any delay or hesitation in making laws cleinias i like your way stranger both in what you have said and still more in what you are going to say i particularly approve of your manner of joining the beginning to the end athenian stranger thus far then the old man's game of play has gone off well cleinias i suppose you mean to say rather their serious and noble pursuit athenian stranger perhaps but i should like to know whether you and i are agreed about a certain thing cleinias what is that athenian stranger you know the endless labour which painters expend upon their pictures they are always putting in or taking out colours or performing some operation of this sort they seem as if they would never cease improving them and that they were always becoming more and more beautiful and clear cleinias i know something about that from report although i have never had much acquaintance with their art athenian stranger that is no matter we may make use of the illustration notwithstanding suppose that some one had a mind to paint a figure in the most beautiful manner in the hope that his work instead of losing would always improve as time went on do you not see that being a mortal unless he leaves some one to succeed him who will correct the flaws which time has introduced and be able to add what is left imperfect through the defect of the artist and who will brighten up and improve the picture all his great labour will last but a short time cleinias true athenian stranger and is not the aim of the legislator similar first he desires that his laws should be written down with the requisite exactness in the second place as time goes on and he has made an actual trial of his decrees will he not find omissions do you imagine that there ever was a legislator 
so foolish as not to know that many things are necessarily omitted which some one coming after him must observe and correct if the constitution and the order of government is not to deteriorate but to improve in the state which he is establishing cleinias certainly that is the sort of thing which every one would desire athenian stranger and if any one possesses any means of accomplishing this by word or deed or has any way great or small by which he can teach a person to understand how he can maintain and amend the laws he should finish what he has to say and not leave the work incomplete cleinias certainly athenian stranger and is not this what you and i have to do at this present moment cleinias what have we to do athenian stranger as we are about to legislate and have chosen our guardians of the law and are ourselves in the evening of life and they as compared with us are young men we ought not only to legislate for them but to endeavour to make them both lawgivers and guardians of the law themselves as far as this is possible cleinias certainly if we can only accomplish this athenian stranger at any rate we must do our best cleinias certainly athenian stranger we will say to them o friends and saviours of our laws in laying down any law there are many particulars which we shall omit and this cannot be helped at the same time we will do our utmost to describe what is important and will give an outline of the general principle which you shall fill up and i will explain to what you are to look in accomplishing this work megalos and i and cleinias have often spoken to one another touching these matters and we are of opinion that we have spoken well and we hope that you will be of the same mind with us and become our disciple and keep in view the things which in our united opinion the legislator and guardian of the law ought to keep in view there was one principle in particular about which we were agreed that a man's whole energies throughout life should be devoted to the acquisition of the virtue proper to a man whether this was to be gained by study or habit or some kind of possession or desire or opinion or knowledge and this applies equally to men and women old and young the aim of all should be such as i have described anything which may be an impediment the good man ought to show that he utterly disregards and if at last necessity plainly compels him to be an outlaw from his native land rather than bow his neck to the yoke and be ruled by inferiors and he has to fly he must be an exile and endure all these things rather than accept another form of government which is likely to make men worse these are our original principles and do you now fixing your eyes upon the standard of what a man and a citizen ought to be praise and blame the laws blame those which have not this power of making the citizen better but embrace those which have and with gladness receive and live in them bidding a long farewell to other institutions which aim at goods as they are termed of a different kind 
let us proceed to another class of laws beginning with their foundation in religion and we must first return to the number five thousand forty the entire number had or rather has a great many convenient divisions and the number of the tribe which was a twelfth part of the whole being correctly formed by twenty-one times twenty also has them and not only is the whole number divisible by twelve but also the number of each tribe is divisible by twelve now every portion should be regarded by us as a sacred gift of heaven corresponding to the months and to the movement of the universe every city has a guiding or sacred principle given by nature but some are more right than others and their division and distribution is more sacred and fortunate in our opinion nothing can be more right than the selection of the number five thousand forty which takes all the divisions from one to twelve with the single exception of eleven and that admits of a very easy correction for if two families be deducted from five thousand forty the division by eleven is restored and the truth of this may be easily proved when we have leisure but for the present trusting to the mere assertion of this principle let us divide the state and assigning to each portion some god or son of a god let us give them altars and sacred rites and at the altars let us hold assemblies for sacrifice twice in the month twelve assemblies for the tribes and twelve for the city according to their divisions the first in honour of the gods and divine things and the second to promote friendship and better acquaintance as the phrase is and every sort of good fellowship with one another for people must be acquainted with those into whose families and to whom they marry and are given in marriage in such matters as far as possible to avoid mistakes is all-important and with this serious purpose let games be instituted in which youths and maidens shall dance together seeing and being seen naked at a proper age and on a suitable occasion not transgressing the rules of modesty the masters of choruses will be the superintendents and regulators of these games and they together with the guardians of the law will legislate in any matters which we have omitted for as we were saying where there are numerous and minute details the legislator cannot but fail and the annual officers who have experience and know what is wanted must make arrangements and improvements year by year until such enactments and provisions are sufficiently determined a ten years experience of sacrifices and dances if extending to all particulars will be quite sufficient and if the legislator be alive they shall communicate with him but if he be dead then the several officers shall bring the omissions which come under their notice before the guardians of the law until all is perfect and from that time there shall be no more change and they shall establish and use the new laws with the others which the legislator originally gave them and of which they are never if they can help to change aught or if some necessity overtakes them 
the magistrates must be called into council, and the whole people, and they must go to all the oracles of the gods, and if they are all agreed, in that case they may make the change, but in any other case he who objects according to law shall prevail. Whenever any one of twenty-five years of age, in his own judgment and that of others, believes himself to have found a marriage connection which is to his mind and suitable for the procreation of children, let him marry if he be under the age of five-and-thirty years, but let him first hear how he ought to seek after what is suitable and appropriate. For, as Cleinias says, every law, like a strain of music, should have a suitable prelude. Cleinias, you recollect at the right moment, stranger, and do not miss the opportunity of saying a word in season. Athenian stranger, I thank you. We will say to him, O my son, he who is born of good parents ought to make such a marriage as wise men would approve. Now, they would advise you neither to avoid a poor marriage, nor, specially, to desire a rich one, but, if other things are equal, always to honour inferiors, and, with them, to form connections. This will be for the benefit of the city, and of the families which are united. For the equable and symmetrical is ten thousand times better than the unmixed in respect of virtue. And he who is conscious of being too headstrong, and carried away more than is fitting in all his actions, ought to desire to become the relation of orderly parents. And he who is of the opposite temper ought to seek the opposite alliance. Let there be one word concerning all marriages. Every man shall follow, not after the marriage which is most pleasing to himself, but after that which is most beneficial to the state. For, somehow, everyone is by nature prone to that which is likest to himself, and in this way the whole city becomes unequal in property and in disposition. And hence there arise in most states results which we least desire to happen. Now, to add to the law an express provision, not only that the rich man shall not marry into the rich family, nor the powerful into the family of the powerful, but that the slower natures shall be compelled to enter into marriage with the quicker, and the quicker with the slower, may awaken anger as well as laughter in the minds of many. For there is a difficulty in perceiving that the city ought to be well mingled like a cup, in which the raging draught overflows and spills, but, when chastened by another god not drunk with wine, receives a fair admixture, and becomes an excellent and temperate drink. Yet no one is able to see this in marriage. Wherefore also the law must leave such matters, and try to charm the spirits of men, and persuade them that they should deem the equability of their children's disposition of more importance than equality in excess of fortune when they marry. And him who is too desirous of forming a rich marriage, they should endeavour to turn aside by reproaches, not, however, by any compulsion of written law. Let this, then, be our exhortation concerning marriage, not forgetting what was said before that man should cling to immortality, and leave behind him posterity, who shall be servants of the god in his place. 
all this and yet more may truly be said about the duty of marrying in the way of prelude but if a man will not listen and remains unsocial and alien among his fellow-citizens and is still unmarried at thirty-five years of age let him pay a yearly fine he who is of the highest class shall pay a fine of one hundred drachma and he who is of the second class a fine of seventy drachma the third class shall pay sixty drachma and the fourth thirty drachma and let the money be sacred to hera he who does not pay the fine in the year shall owe ten times the sum and let the treasurer of the goddess exact the sum and if he fails in doing this let him be answerable and give an account of the money at his audit he who refuses to marry shall be thus punished in money and also be deprived of all honour which the younger show to the elder let no young man voluntarily obey him and if he attempt to punish any one let every one come to the rescue and defend the injured person and he who is present and does not come to the rescue shall be pronounced by the law to be a coward and a villain of the marriage portion i have already spoken and again i say that poor men should be taught that he who neither gives nor receives a dowry on account of poverty has a compensation for the citizens of our state have the necessaries of life and their wives will be less likely to be insolent and husbands to be mean and subservient to them on account of property and he who obeys this law will do a noble action but he who will not obey and gives or receives more than fifty drachma as the price of the marriage garments if he be of the lowest or more than a mina or a mina and a half if he be of the third or second classes or two mina if he be of the highest class shall owe to the public treasury a similar sum and that which is given or received shall be sacred to hera and zeus and let the treasurers of these gods exact the money as was said before about the unmarried that the treasurers of hera were to exact the money or pay the fine themselves the betrothal by a father shall be valid in the first degree that by a grandfather in the second degree and in the third degree betrothal by brothers who have the same father but if there are none of these alive the betrothal by a mother shall be valid in like manner in cases of unexampled fatality the next of kin and the guardians shall have authority what are to be the rights before marriages or any other sacred acts relating either to the future or the present or the past shall be referred to the interpreters and he who follows their advice may be satisfied touching the marriage festival they shall assemble not more than five male and five female friends of both families and a like number of members of the family of either sex and no man shall spend more than his means will allow he who is of the richest class may spend a mina he who is of the second half a mina and in the same proportion as the census of each decreases all men shall praise him who is obedient to the law but 
he who is disobedient the guardians of the law shall punish as a man wanting in taste and uninstructed in the true hymeneal strains of the muses drunkenness is always improper except at the festivals of the god who gave wine and peculiarly dangerous when a man is engaged in the business of marriage for at such a crisis of their lives a bride and bridegroom ought to have all their wits about them and they ought to take care that their offspring may be born of reasonable beings you cannot tell on what day or night heaven will give them increase moreover they ought not to be begetting children when their bodies are dissipated by intoxication but their offspring should be compact and solid quiet and compounded properly whereas the drunkard is all abroad in all his actions and is beside himself both in body and soul wherefore also the drunken man is bad and unsteady in sowing the seed of increase and is likely to beget offspring who are unstable and untrustworthy and cannot be expected to walk straight either in body or mind hence during the whole year and all his life long and especially while he is begetting children he ought to take care and not intentionally to do what is injurious to health or what involves insolence and wrong for it needs must be that the souls and bodies of the children receive the impress which is stamped upon them at birth and he begets children in every way inferior and especially on the day and night of marriage should a man abstain from such things for there is an original indwelling divinity in man which preserves all things if used with proper respect by each individual he who marries is to consider that one of the two houses in the lot is the nest and nursery of his young and there he is to marry and make the home of himself and his children going away from his father and mother for in friendships there must be some degree of desire in order to cement and bind together diversities of character but excess of intercourse not having the desire which is created by time insensibly dilutes friendships from a feeling of satiety wherefore a man and his wife shall leave to his and her father and mother their own dwelling-places and themselves go to a colony and dwell there and visit and be visited by their parents and they shall beget and rear children handing on the torch of life from one generation to another and worshipping the gods always according to law in the next place we have to consider what sort of property will be most convenient there is no difficulty either in understanding or acquiring most kinds of property but there is great difficulty in what relates to slaves and the reason is that we speak about them in a way which is right and which is not right for what we say about our slaves is consistent and also inconsistent with our practice about them megalos i do not understand stranger what you mean when you say this athenian stranger i am far from wondering at that megalos for the state of helots among the lacedaemonians is of all hellenic forms of slavery the most controverted 
and disputed about, some approving and some condemning it. There is less dispute about the slavery which exists among the Heracleots, who have subjugated the Mariandinians, and about the Thessalian Penestae. Looking at these examples, what ought we to do concerning property in slaves? I made a remark in passing which naturally elicited a question about my meaning from you. I said that we should all agree as to the necessity of having the best and most attached slaves whom we can get, for many a man has found his slaves better in every way than brethren or sons, and many times they have saved the lives and property of their masters and their whole house. Such tales are well known. Megalos, to be sure, Athenian stranger, but may we not also say that the soul of the slave is utterly corrupt, and that no man of sense ought to trust them as a class, and the wisest of our poets, speaking of Zeus, says, Far-seeing Zeus takes away half the understanding of men whom the day of slavery subdues. Different persons have got these two different notions of slaves in their minds. Some of them utterly distrust their servants as a class, and, as if they were wild beasts, chastise them with goads and whips, and make their minds three times, or rather many times, as slavish as they were before. And others do just the opposite of this. Megalos. True. Cleinias. Then, what are we to do, stranger, when, in our own country, there are such differences about the possession and treatment of slaves? Athenian stranger. Well, Cleinias, there can be no doubt that man is a troublesome animal, and therefore is not, and is not likely to become very manageable when you attempt to introduce the necessary division of slave and free man and master. Cleinias. That is obvious. Athenian stranger. He is a troublesome piece of goods, truly, as has been often shown in the frequent revolts of the Messenians, and the great mischiefs which happen in states having many slaves who speak the same language, and the various thefts and violences of the Italian banditti, as they are called. When a man looks at all this, he is perplexed as to what he should do in such matters. Two alternatives are open to us. Not to have the slaves of the same country, or, if possible, speaking the same language. In this way they will more easily be held in subjection. Secondly, we should tend them carefully, not only out of regard to them, but yet more out of respect to ourselves. And the right treatment of slaves is to behave properly to them, and to do to them, if possible, even more justice than to those who are our equals. For he who really and naturally reverences justice, and hates injustice, is discovered in his dealings with any class of men to whom he can easily be unjust. And he who in regard to the natures and actions of his slaves is undefiled by impiety and injustice, will best sow the seeds of virtue in others. And this a man may truly say alike of every master and tyrant, and authority in relation to his inferiors. 
slaves ought to be punished as they deserve and not admonished as if they were freemen which will only make them conceited the language used to a servant ought always to be that of command and we ought not to jest with them whether they are males or females this is a foolish way which many people have of setting up their slaves and making the life of servitude more disagreeable both for them and for those who command them cleinias true athenian stranger now that each of the citizens is provided as far as possible with a sufficient number of suitable slaves who can help him in what he has to do we may next proceed to describe their dwellings cleinias very good athenian stranger the city being new and hitherto uninhabited care ought to be taken of all the buildings and the manner of building each of them and also of the temples and walls these cleinias were matters which properly came before the marriages now as we are only talking there is no objection to changing the order if however our plan of legislation is ever carried out then the house must precede the marriage by the favour of god and afterwards we will come to the regulations about marriage but at present we are only describing these matters in a general outline cleinias quite true athenian stranger the temples are to be placed all round the agora and the whole city built in a circle on the heights for the sake of defence and for the sake of purity near the temples are to be placed the houses of the magistrates and the courts of law in these plaintiff and defendant will receive their rights and the places will be regarded as most holy partly because they have to do with holy things and partly because they are the dwelling-places of holy gods and in them will be the courts in which cases of homicide and other trials of capital offences may fitly take place as to the walls megalos i agree with sparta in thinking that they should be allowed to sleep in the earth and that we should not attempt to disinter them there is a poetical saying which is finely expressed that walls ought to be of steel and iron and not of earth only besides how ridiculous of us to be sending out our young men annually into the country to dig and to trench and to keep off the enemy by fortifications under the idea that they are not to be allowed to set foot in our territory and then that we should surround ourselves with a wall which in the first place is by no means conducive to the health of cities and is also apt to produce a certain effeminacy in the minds of the inhabitants inviting men to run thither instead of repelling their enemies and leading them to imagine that their safety is due not to their keeping guard day and night but that when they are protected by walls and gates then they may sleep in safety as if they were meant not to labour and did not know that true repose comes from labour and that disgraceful indolence and a careless temper of mind is only the renewal of trouble if men must have walls the private houses ought to be so arranged from the first that the whole city may be one wall 
having all the houses capable of defence by reason of their uniformity and equality towards the streets the form of the city being that of a single dwelling will have an agreeable aspect and being easily guarded will have great advantages of security at the first building of the city these should be principal objects of the inhabitants and the wardens of the city should see to them and should further impose a fine on him who neglects them and in all that relates to the city they should have a care of cleanliness and no citizen should encroach upon any public property either by buildings or diggings further they ought to take care that the rains from heaven flow off easily and of any other matters which may have to be administered either within or without the city the guardians of the law shall pass any further enactments which their experience may show to be necessary and supply any other points in which the law may be deficient and now that these matters and the buildings about the agra and the gymnasia and places of instruction and theatres are all ready and waiting for scholars and spectators let us proceed to the subjects which follow marriage in the order of legislation cleinias by all means athenian stranger assuming that marriages exist already cleinias the mode of life during the year after marriage before children are born will follow next in order in what way bride and bridegroom ought to live in a city which is to be superior to other cities is a matter not at all easy for us to determine there have been many difficulties already but this will be the greatest of them and the most disagreeable to the many still i cannot but say what appears to me to be right and true cleinias cleinias certainly athenian stranger he who imagines that he can give laws for the public conduct of states while he leaves the private life of citizens wholly to take care of itself who thinks that individuals may pass the day as they please and that there is no necessity of order in all things he i say who gives up the control of their private lives and supposes that they will conform to law in their common and public life is making a great mistake why do i introduce this why because i am going to enact that the bridegrooms should live at the common tables just as they did before marriage this was a singularity when first enacted by the legislator in your parts of the world megalos and cleinias as i should suppose on the occasion of some war or other similar danger which caused the passing of the law and which would be likely to occur in thinly peopled places and in times of pressure and when men had once tried and been accustomed to a common table experience showed that the institution greatly conduced to security and something like this was the origin of common tables cleinias that is very likely athenian stranger i said that there may have been singularity and danger in imposing such a custom at first but that now there is not the same difficulty there is however another institution which is the natural sequel to this and would be excellent but nowhere exists at present 
the institution of which i am about to speak is not easily described or executed and would be like the legislator as people say setting the river on fire or performing any other impossible feat cleinias what is the cause stranger of this extreme hesitation athenian stranger you shall hear without any further loss of time that which has law and order in a state is the cause of every good but that which is disordered or ill-ordered is often the ruin of that which is well ordered and at this point the argument is now waiting for in your country cleinias and megalos the common tables of men are a providential and admirable institution but you are mistaken in leaving the women unregulated by law they have no similar institution of public tables in the light of day and just that part of the human race which is by nature prone to secrecy and stealth on account of their weakness i mean the female sex has been left without regulation by the legislator which is a great mistake and in consequence of this neglect many things have grown lax among you which might have been far better if they had been only regulated by law for the neglect of regulations about women may not only be regarded as a neglect of half the entire matter but in proportion as woman's nature is inferior to that of men in capacity of virtue in that proportion is she more important than the two halves put together wherefore with a view to the happiness of the state we ought to reconsider and order and arrange all our institutions relating both to men and women but at present such is the unfortunate condition of mankind that no man of sense will even venture to speak of common tables in places and cities in which they have never been established at all and how can any one avoid being utterly ridiculous who attempts to compel women to show how much they eat and drink in public there is nothing at which the sex is more likely to take offence for women are accustomed to creep into dark places and when dragged out into the light they will exert their utmost powers of resistance and be far too much for the legislator and therefore as i said before in most places they will not endure to have the truth spoken without raising an outcry but in this state perhaps they may and if we may assume that our whole discussion about the state has not been mere idle talk i should like to prove to you if you will consent to listen that this institution is good and proper but if you had rather not i will refrain cleinias there is nothing which we should both of us like better stranger than to hear what you have to say athenian stranger very good and you must not be surprised if i go back a little for we have plenty of leisure and there is nothing to prevent us from considering in every point of view the subject of law cleinias true athenian stranger then let us return once more to our first beginning every man should understand that the human race either had no beginning at all and will never have an end but always will be and has been or had a beginning an immense time ago cleinias 
Certainly. Athenian stranger. Well, and have there not been constitutions and destructions of states and all sorts of pursuits, both orderly and disorderly, and diverse desires of meats and drinks always, and in all the world, and all sorts of changes of the seasons in which animals may be expected to have undergone innumerable transformations. Cleinias, certainly. Athenian stranger. And may we not suppose that vines appeared which had previously no existence, and also olives, and the gifts of Demeter and her daughter, of which one Triptolemus was the minister, and that before they existed animals took to devouring each other as they do still. Cleinias. True. Athenian stranger. And the practice of men sacrificing one another still exists among many nations. And, on the other hand, we hear of other human beings who do not even venture to taste the flesh of a cow, and have no animal sacrifices, but only cakes and fruits soaked in honey, and similar pure offerings, but no flesh or animals. From these they abstain under the idea that they ought not to eat them, and may not stain the altars of the gods with blood. In those days men are said to have lived a sort of Orphic life, having the use of all lifeless things, but abstaining from all living things. Cleinias, that has been very often said, and is very likely true. Athenian stranger, some one might say to me, what is the drift of all this which you have been saying? Cleinias, that is a pertinent remark, stranger. Athenian stranger, and therefore I will endeavour, Cleinias, if I can, to state the natural inference. Cleinias, proceed. Athenian stranger, I see that among men all things depend upon three wants and desires, of which the end is virtue, if they are rightly led by them, or the opposite, if wrongly. Now, these are eating and drinking, which begin at birth. Of these, every animal has a natural desire, and is violently excited, and rebels against him who says that he must not satisfy all his pleasures and desires, and get rid of the corresponding pains. And the third and greatest and sharpest want and desire breaks out last, and is the fire of sexual lust, which kindles in men every species of wantonness and madness. And these three disorders we must endeavour to master by the three great principles of fear, and law, and right reason, turning them away from that which is called pleasantest to the best, using the muses and the gods who preside over contests to extinguish their increase and influx. But to return, after marriage, let us speak of the birth of children, and after their birth, of their nurture and education. In the course of discussion, the several laws will be perfected, and we shall at last arrive at the common tables. Whether these sort of associations are to be confined to men, or extended to women also, when we approach and take a nearer view of them, we shall see them more in detail, and may then determine what previous institutions are required, and 
will have to precede them as i said before we shall see them better and shall be better able to lay down the laws which are proper or suited to them cleinias very true athenian stranger let us keep in mind then the words which have now been spoken for hereafter there may be need of them cleinias what do you bid us keep in mind athenian stranger that which we comprehended under the three words first eating secondly drinking thirdly the excitement of love cleinias i shall be sure to remember stranger athenian stranger very good then let us now proceed to marriage and teach persons in what way they shall beget children threatening them if they disobey with the terrors of the law cleinias what do you mean athenian stranger the bride and bridegroom should consider that they are to produce for the state the best and fairest specimens of children which they can now all men who are associated in any action always succeed when they attend and give their mind to what they are doing but when they do not give their mind or have no mind they fail wherefore let the bridegroom give his mind to the bride and to the begetting of children and the bride in like manner give her mind to the bridegroom and particularly at the time when their children are not yet born and let the women whom we have chosen to be the overseers of these matters whether many or few in whatever number and at whatever time the magistrates may command assemble every day in the temple of aletheia during the third part of a day and being there assembled let them inform one another of any one whom they see whether man or woman of those who are begetting children in any respect disregarding the provisions of the law as to nuptial rites and sacrifices and let the begetting of children and the care of those who are begetting them continue ten years and no longer during the time when marriage is fruitful but if any continue without children up to this time let them take counsel with their kindred and with the women holding office and be divorced for their mutual benefit if however any dispute arises about what is proper and for the interest of either party they shall choose ten of the guardians of the law and abide by their permission and appointment the women who preside over these matters shall enter into the houses of the young and partly by admonitions and partly by threats make them give over their ignorance and error and if they rebel let them go and tell the guardians of the law and they shall prevent them and if they cannot prevent them they shall declare the matter to the public assembly and let them write up their names and make oath that they cannot reform such and such a one and let him who is thus written up if he cannot in a court of law convict those who have inscribed his name be deprived of the privileges of a citizen in the following respects let him not go to weddings nor to the birthday solemnities of children and if he go let any one who pleases strike him with impunity and let the same regulations hold about women let not a woman be allowed to appear abroad or receive honour 
or go to nuptial and birthday festivals if she in like manner be written up as acting disorderly and cannot obtain a verdict and if when they have begotten children according to the law a man or woman have connection with another man or woman who are still begetting children let the same penalties be inflicted upon them as if they were still begetting children themselves but after this let the man or woman who refrain in such matters be held in esteem and let those who do not refrain be held in the contrary of esteem that is to say disesteem now if the greater part of mankind behave modestly the enactments of law may be left to slumber but if they are disorderly the enactments having been passed let them be carried into execution to every man the first year is the beginning of life and ought to be written down in the temples of their fathers as the beginning of existence both to boy and girl and in every fratria let there be written down on a whited wall the list of the archons by whom the years are reckoned and near to them let the living members of the fratria be inscribed and when they depart life let them be erased the limit of marriageable ages for a woman shall be from sixteen to twenty years at the longest for a man from thirty to thirty-five years and let a woman hold office at forty and a man at thirty years let a man go out to war from twenty to sixty years and for a woman if there appear any need to make use of her in military service let the time of service be after she shall have brought forth children up to fifty years of age and let regard be had to what is possible and suitable to each End of Book Six Recording in Memory of Mitchell Edwards